Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are continuing this series, If God Can Use Anyone, He Can Use Me. You know, a lot of people don't realize that God wants to use their life greatly. They think they have to be a pastor or a missionary, but actually right where you are, God wants to use you. And in this series, we've been looking at some people, some heroes of the faith, But if you would have talked to them, we've been looking at their story, they didn't see themselves as a hero. They actually saw themselves more as an underdog. They didn't see how God could use them. And, you know, but the interesting thing is, is they saw themselves that way because a lot of the odds were just stacked against them. But here's what I love about what we've been studying in this series. When they were willing to take that step of faith, guess what happened? The opposition only revealed what God had already invested in them. I want to say that again. When they took a step of faith, when they decided to have that moment of courage and they saw the opposition, when they took that step of faith, guess what? The opposition only revealed what God had already put inside of them. And you may feel like an underdog and everything that's happening in in the world today, but can I just tell you, when the odds are against you, we need to understand God is for us. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can I hear a better amen today? God is for us. And he wants us, just like God was calling them, he's calling you today. And our theme scripture has been 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God who saved us and what? Come on. What does it say? It's on the screen. God saved us and what? Called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace. And he gave it to us in Jesus Christ before the ages began. You and I are called by God. You and I are graced by God, not because of our own our works, but because of God's grace and his benefit. And today, we're going to look at another underdog. Her name is Esther. Where are my ladies at today? Where are my ladies at today? Come on, let me hear you, ladies. All right, there's like two of you. Okay, that's, that's, that's good. All right, so don't get mad at me when, it, you know, when these other messages are about males because I, I just called you out and I only heard two of you. Where are my ladies at today? All right, ladies, this, this message is about a young lady. And, uh, but let me just say to all the dudes in the, in the house and all the men, you know, when, as soon as I say that, you're like, I don't know, I may, I may disconnect from this because, no, we're going to learn principles from Esther. And I love the book of Esther. And if you have your Bible, turn to uh, uh, Esther chapter 2, verse 17, and because that's where we're going to read today. But I love the book of Esther because it shows us how God wants to use ladies and women powerfully. I love the book of Esther. I'm going to give you another chance, ladies. I love the book of Esther because it shows us how God wants to use women powerfully. Oh, you got it. I'll wait for you. I love you. There's grace in this house today. But, you know, this book of Esther is amazing because it also is a a book about opportunities. Everybody say opportunities. And timing. And the book of Esther, I think it's actually a testament, too, of how God, when we follow him, what God will do, he will bring the right people at the right time into our lives when when we need it. He'll also lead us to the right place at the right time. I so believe this, especially if you're a business owner, that you could be at the right place at the right time to meet the right client that you need and that they need to have kingdom purposes be advanced in our lives. 
And what's so incredible about, about Esther's life is God is going to use one person. I don't know if you've been following this series along, but I will tell you, I just, I, I just get taken. I, I'm so overwhelmed by the fact that we have been looking at people and God uses one person. One person to change the trajectory of people's lives. He still can use one person. One person can still make a difference. And with Esther, he's going to use this woman to stop a genocide. You know, um, the, the Jews were, were um, overcome. They, uh, they lost militarily. And so they were exiled into, the, uh, into Persia. And so the, the scholars believe that there was probably at the time 750 Jewish people living in Persia at the time. And so Esther's going to make a decision, and she's going to have courage in a moment uh, that's going to be placed in front of her that she's actually going to save thousands of people, thousands of people. She's going to save them from being destroyed. And you may say, Pastor Phil, why is that important? Well, let me tell you one of the reasons why it's important, because if she didn't do what she did, then there would be no fulfillment in Christ. There would be no gospel and no church. So what she did is going to have a magnitude of impact in her life. And so today, I'm calling today's message, Seize the Moment. Everybody say that with me. Say, Seize the Moment. Now, when I talk about Esther, and I tell you that her decision that she made saved thousands of people, it's so easy to go, you know, Pastor Phil, I cannot relate to that. That is just something I cannot relate to. So it's so easy to just kind of disconnect. But I just want to tell you, because I think when we feel like we can't relate, you know, I, you feel like I'm not a hero. You know, Pastor Phil, to be honest with you, I'm just trying to get my kids up on time for school. I'm just trying to get my three-year-old to get in the tub and stop running around the house naked. Come on, somebody. Put some clothes on. Right? And you go, if I could do that, <laughs> then I would be a hero. But here's the reality. I think we have to understand there's truths in this word that we can apply to our own life that are not only going to impact you, but it's actually going to change the world that our kids are going to grow up and live in. And so it's important. But I want to start here because many of us have read the story. I was talking to somebody the other day as, as I was talking about being a pastor and preaching. And I said, here's, here's the thing. You're talking to people who've read Esther. They know Esther. You're talking to other people who don't even know who Esther is. They, you know, they come to church, and we're so glad that you did today. We're so glad. And so I have to take each vantage point because there are people who don't really understand the history or, or, know, or know the history. And many of us would, would call her Queen Esther because we know her story. But I just want to take a moment, and I want to go back to the beginning with Esther because Esther didn't start out as a queen. Esther actually started out as an orphan, the Bible tells us. Esther's parents were both killed. So she was an orphan. Not only was she an orphan, if you want to, can just imagine the pain of that, of losing your parents at a young age, she was exiled into a country that she knew nothing about. She knew nothing about. She's put into the lowest social class of anyone. But thank God that what God will do is he will bring a person, the right person, into your life at the right time. And so he brings Mordecai into her life. Mordecai is Esther's older cousin. And you know what I thought is so interesting is the Bible, you're going to see how God puts his favor on this orphan. God puts his favor on this young girl who is literally 
an outcast. And I thought about how that's what God does to us. You know, John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said this. He said, I will not leave you orphans. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. One translation says this, because he was actually talking about the father. He was telling his disciples that he was leaving. And so they could have felt like, you know, they were going to live without what they needed in their life. But one translation says, I will not leave you comfortless. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And I want to stop here today because some of us have pain in our life because people have left us. I don't know the pain of what Esther is going through to be able to have, to have my, my, my parents killed when I was very young. I don't, I don't know that pain. But I do understand what it means to be an orphan, that when you feel like there are, you're missing and that there should be people in your life that, that aren't there. But Jesus says this. He says, look, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. This is what he was telling this is what he was telling the disciples. And I love this book of Esther because it shows when God's favor comes on your life, God can take an orphan and turn her into a queen. God can take an orphan girl and turn her into a queen. And at that time, probably one of the greatest powers on the earth, the Persian Empire, and put her at a place where you're going to see later on, the king actually asks her, tell me, ask me the question, because I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. This is a little orphan girl. But my church family, I just want to say this. See, when God's favor comes upon you, he will change you. He wants to promote you in, in, in your life. But what I found about Esther, Esther's going to have to make some decisions. Everybody say decisions. Because she has to flip, she has to have her mind transformed that she is not living without. See, so many people have a victim mentality. And here is, uh, here is Esther, and she's an orphan, and she's going to have to decide. Because what's going to happen is there is a, a beauty pageant that's going to take place that she is going to enter. But my church family, I want you to hear me. See, you can stay an orphan. You can have an orphan mentality. Esther had to make a decision. Listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a decision to move on from the pain of the past to look at future possibilities. See, some of us can get so paralyzed by pain that we don't realize that God has future opportunities that his favor is going to take us into. Can I hear a good amen today? See, my church family, what happens is we can live a life that has been, and then we don't see what could be. And so we're so attached to the past because this is what pain will do. Pain will paralyze you. Now, pain's an indicator that something is wrong. Let me say that. But at the end of the day, we thank God that he is our healer. And you can't stay in that orphan mindset. I talk to so many people. Man, it's just my heart breaks. I want to help them. But they will not renew their mind. They continue to say, you don't understand what has happened to me. And I want to say, but you don't understand with God's favor what God can do for you if you will just let it go. Can I hear a good amen today? But I want to encourage you, we are not alone. Listen, the Holy Spirit is with us. And so not only is the Holy Spirit with us, but she has Mordecai, right place at the right time. And so she's an orphan. And then there is, as she grows up, there's an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. 
There's an opportunity for her to enter a beauty pageant. Now, what happens is the king, King Xerxes, King Xerxes of Persia, um, and this is important that we understand that it's one of the greatest kingdoms at the time in this ancient world. Well, King Xerxes is, is married to a lady. Her name is, is Vashti, Queen Vashti. He, Xerxes is having a party, and, uh, and he's having this party. The party is, is for seven days. Come on, there ain't no party like a Persian party because a Persian party lasts for seven days. Come on, somebody. And so seven days. And so he wants his wife to come to the party. But how many of you know, if you read the scriptures, his wife is having her own party. Uh, I don't think that's, that's, that's good principles for a marriage. And so he calls Queen Vashti to come, and she won't come. So now he has a dilemma because all the, the, the people in his court are like, hey, listen, you got to understand this, King Xerxes. If she doesn't come, she's going to empower all of the women to stand up against their husbands. And so you have to do something. So Vashti makes a decision not to come. Everybody say decisions. She makes a decision not to come. So he says, King Xerxes says, okay, you are out. You are out of the palace. You are not my queen anymore. And so his court comes to him and says, hey, listen, we have an idea. Let's do a beauty pageant. Let's get all the most beautiful women in the kingdom. And then you just marry one of them. And how many of you know Xerxes didn't have to pray about that? He's just like, sure, let's do it. And so Esther hears about this and she enters into this beauty pageant. And I think, again, you know, it's so easy to, if you don't have an orphan mentality, she could have said, you know, who am I to enter this? You know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. But she makes a decision and she takes a risk. And here's what I want to tell you today, my church family. If we're going to seize the moments in our lives, we have to understand, number one, that our decisions have a domino effect. Our decisions have a domino effect. If we could understand that our decisions, my decisions, don't just affect me, we could be lethal for the kingdom of God. She makes a decision to get into this pageant. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's amazing about the book of Esther. The book of Esther, the name of God is not mentioned at all. You don't see it. But you see his fingerprints And the book of Esther is about when God's providence meets Esther's preparation. This beauty pageant wasn't something that you would see on, you know, the USA beauty pageant where, you know, Miss USA, it's about an hour and a half. And they do all that. And they ask the ladies, how would you change the world? And they're like, world peace. We'll just do world peace. You know, that wasn't, this was actually a year process of preparation. Everybody say preparation. The Bible says that King Xerxes was king for three years. She had to go through preparation for a year. So it would be four years before she would marry her king. And I think what's important about this is that this book shows God's providence and Esther's preparation coming together. So what I mean by God's providence is God's true understanding that we understand that he's going to fulfill his will, whether we feel him or not, whether we understand or not, we just have to trust him. So Esther had to trust him. But when God's providence and Esther's preparation together came together, great things happened. And so what happens after this year of preparation 
And I just want to stop here. Sometimes we want things so instant. We want everything to happen tomorrow. But can I just tell you, God is working behind the scenes because he has moments that he's setting up for you, whether you feel it or not, you think it or not. That's why we have to continue to trust him. So she's going through this process And she stands before the king, Esther chapter 2, verse 17. I haven't forgotten about that. I told you to turn there. But listen, this is what it says. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women. And she won his favor. Everybody say favor. She won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. So we have to understand that our decisions have a domino effect. But here's what I've learned as I'm getting older. There's moments in our life that if we'll capitalize on those moments, moments can have momentum. Moments can bring a momentum into your life. Not only do the decisions have a domino effect, but moments can have momentum. And that could be for the good or that could be for the bad. But what you're going to see in Esther's life, she doesn't know a lot about what God has planned for her, but she just keeps making the right decision. And as she makes this decision, what she does is she actually begins to see God's favor in her life. And here's what I've learned about some moments There are moments in our life that will never be placed in front of us again. There are moments in your life that you're either going to step into that opportunity or you're not. She made a choice. I'm not just an orphan. I am going to step in because I want to be queen. And she steps into a beauty pageant. My church family, she was not the right nationality. She was not of royal pedigree. But what she did have, everybody look at me, she had the favor of God on her life. She had the favor of God on her life. And Esther was chosen by the king before she was chosen by King Xerxes. See, yes, Esther found favor with the earthly King Xerxes, but before she was ever chosen by him, she was chosen by the heavenly king. Can I hear a good amen today? And so Esther's, listen to this, Esther's earthly favor was directly linked to her heavenly favor. My church family, it's the same with you. Your earthly favor is directly linked to your heavenly favor. May not mean a lot to you, but can I just tell you, in the Persian Empire... There were thousands of beautiful women. Thousands. <laughs> Somebody said, yeah, amen, brother. <laughs> Hopefully your wife doesn't get upset. There were thousands of beautiful women. And Xerxes is not a Christian. Xerxes is, 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 doesn't worship the God that we serve. But you know what? And I say that. Why is it important? Because some of us think that we have to have a Christian boss for there to be favor in our workplace. No, there are many instances in the Bible where people had favor and actually it was somebody who worshiped another God saw the favor on them. Can I hear a good amen today? And so God can put favor on our life. You are favored. You know, the Bible says this, that not only can we have favor with God, but we can have favor with God and man. Proverbs 3, verse 4, it says that we find high esteem in the sight of God and man. I pray this over my son almost every day. Lord, I thank you that he has favor with you, but not just favor with you. He has favor with you and people, you and people. That science teacher that he's having challenges with, Lord, I thank you that he has favor with you and people. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? 
I honestly don't mind. I, I love favor with people, but first I want to have favor with God because God will give me the favor with unruly people if, if I need it. Can I hear a good amen? And so many people try to shuck and jive with different opportunities with people, and they try to find favor with people first. Can I tell you, I love people, but I don't need to shuck and jive when I have favor that comes from the king of kings because when I have favor with the king, then he will open doors in earthly realms, and he will also give me favor with people that maybe I didn't even have to put a whole bunch of effort in. Are you here this morning? And my church family, we have to believe in the impact of God's favor on our lives. We have to believe in that impact. You know, the Bible talks about us being adopted into the kingdom of God. You know, we could have an orphan mentality, but the scripture tells us that you and I are a chosen generation we are a royal priesthood. Do you know that God adopts you and I, and then he puts his favor on us, and he calls us royalty? Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, say, I am chosen. Come on, say, I am a royal priesthood. And that doesn't matter what your background is. That's God's favor on your life. Do you know the Bible talks to us and tells us that you and I are to reign in this life. I love what Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 tells us that it's through if we receive the abundance of grace that we will reign in this life. And so we have to believe in the favor and the impact of the favor of God in our lives. Can I hear a good amen today? But I want us to realize this. Greatness doesn't come from our strength doesn't come from our talent or qualifications. It comes from the hand of God on your life. The hand of God on your life. Esther had it, but you have it too. You have it too, my church family. And so when the heavenly king has chosen you, that sets you up to be chosen by earthly kings in the future. Now, Esther makes this decision, and really it has a domino effect. Pastor Phil, what's, what's the domino effect? Well, it is that she actually can see and experience the favor that God has placed on her life, but it also divinely positioned and placed her to make a difference. Now, under Esther, are you still following? Everybody's still following? Under Esther, Mordecai becomes a city official, and he uncovers. This, 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 this book is so amazing because Mordecai uncovers a couple of, of uh of things that are going to happen to the king because he's right at the gate. He's right at the right place at the right time. And so he starts to build influence. There was a plot to kill the king, but now he uncovers a plot to that uh, they were going to try to kill all the Jews. There was a man by the name of Haman who was in the, uh, the king's court, and uh, he, he was going to, he comes up with a plot. He wants to kill all of, of the Jews. And so what happens is Mordecai lets Esther, no. And I just want to give you a couple highlights of this because the book is very extensive. But what happens is Mordecai tells Esther this whole plot, and she's, she's just distraught. She doesn't know. And she basically, and here's what most people do. She comes back to Mordecai and says, like, what, what can I do? Now, last week we talked about Gideon. He was poor. He was the weakest in his clan. Esther, opposite. She's rich. She's the queen, but she still has this mentality that so many people have, what can I do? Because she doesn't see the resources. She doesn't even realize that she's such a person of influence. And Esther comes back, I mean, Mordecai comes back, and this is what 
she tells Esther, he tells Esther, Esther chapter 4, verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do you think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace and any more than all of the other Jews? For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. Listen, my church family, what Mordecai is saying, God is saying to us. Mordecai is suggesting to her, here's what he's saying. Listen, Esther, you need to understand that. Could it be that God elevated you to the position right where you're at for this very moment. Listen, I know you're enjoying the palace. Great, you're supposed to be enjoying the palace. Listen, I know you have all of your privileges. I'm so happy for you, Esther. I know, Esther, since you were four years old as a young lady, you were dreaming about marrying a king. And I know that your dreams are coming true. But listen, Esther, could it be that your dream, the favor, the title, the influence wasn't just for you? There's a greater purpose, Esther, for all that you have. And it's for a cause. And that God would give you favor to fight against God's enemies. And my church family, I want to submit this to you. Could it be that the reason why God has elevated you to the position that you are at. God has given you the influence and the title. God has given you the bank account and the means that you have. Is it, could it be that your dreams are coming true because it's not just about you, but God has called you to the kingdom for such a time as this. And all that is for this moment. This is not about us all the time. I'm thankful, and I hope you're thankful that God promotes you. But I want to open up our eyes to see that there's a greater impact than just having a good vacation that we all dreamed about. Can I hear a good amen today? That what God is doing in your life is for you. I want you to enjoy it. The blessing is for us, but it's not just for us. It's not just to happen in us. It's supposed to happen through us. The favor of God is not just for me. It's supposed to go through me to other people. Can I hear a good amen today? And like Esther Here's the reality is that she starts to realize, I can do something. I can do something. Our decisions are like domino effects. You know, I heard a story this, this week. I was telling you that my wife and I and part of our family, about three weeks ago, we went to Colorado Springs. There's a, a man that I, I really like his ministry. His name's Andrew Walmack. He's about 70, 72 years old, powerful man of God. He raised his own son from the dead. I mean, we went to a, a healing conference that he had, beautiful buildings in Colorado Springs, 500 acres. He has a Bible college. He's training up world changers. Well, I was just watching his first day of school the other day, and he was talking about how they acquired 500 acres and the buildings that he had acquired. And he said many years ago, he was in England 
and he was just minding his own business. And God spoke to him and said this. God said, you are going to start a Bible, a Bible college. I want you to start a Bible college. He said, I didn't know how to do it. He said, that's not necessarily what was on my radar. But he said, I'm, guess what God said, unbeknownst to him. This story is just so miraculous. It's like, it's like crazy. Unbeknownst to him at that same moment, what he didn't know was there was a man there was a man, his name was Gilbert Jackson. He was a very wealthy man. He owned 500 acres. That would be the Bible college in the future. But at that point, this, this, this wealthy man, uh, Gilbert Jackson, he didn't know God. He actually believed that Christians, you know, that they were just kind of a little off, that they were just people that, you know, needed a crutch through life. And so he loved education, but just would not you know, surrender his life to the Lord. He didn't think it was important. Well, Gilbert Jackson got cancer, and the, bio, the doctor says that they gave him 11 days to live. Well, the family, Gilbert's family, hired a caretaker to take care of him while he was in hospice. And so the caretaker's name was Marlene Jackson. Marlene Jackson looks at Gilbert and says, hey, you're missing something in your life. He said, what could I be missing? I mean, he has wealth. The only thing he really needed was, was a healing. But she says, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And you know what? In that moment, my church family, there's only sometimes you have one moment, one moment, one moment, Marlene Jackson said to Gilbert, you need Jesus in your heart. And in that moment, he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. You know, but what's amazing, I mean, that's amazing in, its, in itself. But the very next day, Gilbert Jackson, this wealthy man, he wakes up and he tells his caretaker and his family, I had a vision that the 500 acres that we have, he says, I have a vision that there's going to be buildings on here and it's going to be used for Christian education. Well, Andrew Walmack in England didn't know what was happening in Gilbert's family, that at the same time that God was speaking to him, God was converting a wealthy man that would literally offer him that 500 acres. My church family and today, Andrew Walmack Ministries owns 500 acres, and we were sitting in that building. And so I, I kind of get goose pimples because I think about it was a woman, a caretaker, a hospice nurse that God used to share the love of Jesus Christ with a man who would later sell his property to Andrew Walmack, who later would build a Bible college who later would start a TV ministry that would reach millions of people. I was there. I was blessed. And all of that because one woman was willing to take a moment and make herself available to God to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my church family, we don't understand how much our, listen, we don't understand how much our decisions have and can have a domino effect. See, when Marlene gets to heaven, she's, she, in this life, she's never going to know because thousands of people now are being reached with the gospel, millions through the TV show that they have on the property. But you know what? One decision that she made had a domino effect. Had a domino effect. And today lives are being reached because she made a decision and she understood, and here's my second point, we have to believe, my church family, we are strategically placed by God. You know, most people in her position, in Marlene Jackson's position as a caretaker, 
When's my break? Oh, I got to go into work. What time do I get off? Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. I just need to go home. And we make life so much about all of our, about ourselves. But you know what? There are moments. There are moments that God has for us. And my church family, you need to realize you are strategically placed here by God. Listen to these, these scriptures. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. This is my new favorite scripture right here. Galatians chapter one, verse five, 15. Listen to this. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me and through me that I might preach among the heathen. Listen to this. God, from your mother's womb, the Bible says not only did he know you before, but even from your mother's womb, he separated you. And you know what he did? He separated you, and there's that word again. He called you. He called you for this specific moment. My church family, God could have put you at any time in the history of the world, but he chose for you to be here. Why? Because you are strategically placed here by God. You have to see yourself as a historic figure. Not because I'm old do I see myself as a historic figure, but I have to understand that I am strategically placed by God, and when I make decisions, they're gonna have a ripple effect in people's lives and in heaven. Can I hear a good amen today? Psalms 139, verse 16, your eyes saw my substance and yet being unformed and in your book, there are all written the days fashioned before me. Listen to this. When as yet there were none of them. You existed in the mind of God before you even existed in the mind of your parents. And I'm trying to get people to understand whether you're watching online or here in person that we are strategically placed in 2022 to be used mightily by God. And the decisions that we make, my church family, have a ripple effect. Can I hear a good amen today? You know, it blew my mind that God would use a caretaker, that she would see herself as strategically placed in that moment. You know, Esther realizes I've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. See, here's the reality. She didn't think that she could do anything because the law was that if she were to walk into the king's inner court unsummoned, that she could be killed unless the king extended his golden scepter. And she tells Mordecai, listen, I have not been summoned for 30 days. And Mordecai tells her, listen, you've been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I love what Esther does. She says these words, I'm going to go, listen, if I perish, I perish. I just want to remind you, this is a, a woman talking. Because I think sometimes we think courage and we see in our mind a male or, yeah, Courage is for, for men. No, courage is for women too. Courage is for women too. And you know what she does? She has the courage to go before the king. And I thought about that for a minute. The Bible says that he does extend the scepter. But I, I want to break down courage today as I bring this to a close. 
I started to think about what causes people to be courageous. We could say, God, yes, we understand that. But can I break it down? And here's number three. Because I think if we're going to seize the moment, we also have to understand that it's godly compassion that infuses our courage. Can I just tell you that Esther loved people? Esther loved her fellow Jews. First, she loved God. But can I just tell you that loving God always translates into loving people. And I love people. I really love people. I don't like what they do. I don't agree with a lot of people's lifestyle, but I love people. And you can tell how much you love people. Have you ever had a family member that was diagnosed with cancer? You hate the cancer to the degree that you love the person. I love people. Esther loved people. You show me someone who's courageous, I will show you someone who loves deeply. The Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion towards people. I'm telling you that compassion infuses courage. What gave me the courage to stand before my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and ask them to marry my wife? You know what? It was my love for my wife that gave me the courage to say, I want to marry your daughter. And they said no, and I married her anyway. No, they, they said yes. I just want to see if you're still listening. Can I ask you what gave David the courage to fight Goliath? It was his love for God. David loved God so much, he picked a fight with the giant just because of what the giant was saying about God. And his courage gave him, his compassion gave him the courage to fight against Goliath. You th- David, I just excuse my language, but he's crazy. David loved the sheep that weren't even his. He loved them so much that that gave him the courage to fight a lion. And then he fought a bear. Why? Just the compassion and the heart. And God looked at him and said, man, if you can fight like that over sheep that are not yours, I can make you the king and give you my sheep, the children of Israel, and you'll be a great king. But his love for God, David loved people too, and he knew that his own life was going to be affected by that as well. Can I just say it this way? It's the amount of compassion that determines the magnitude of our courage. I want to say that again. That it's the amount of compassion that determines the magnitude of our courage. Or I could say it this way. We will be courageous to the extent that we are compassionate. You know, um, we were at my wife's um, job or her corporate Christmas party. My wife is a physical therapist and she, uh, one of the doctors that works in her clinic through a Christmas party about two years ago or so. So we, want, we all went over there. Beautiful home. Everybody is dressed nicely. Beautiful pool and, uh, you know, alcohol everywhere. People are drinking. And so me and my wife are on the other side of where the pool is at and we're just talking with people and and, you know, and, and I don't really know anybody there. I just, you know, Val's introducing me to some people. So all of a sudden, uh, we hear people screaming. We, we, we just hear people screaming, John, John, everybody help John. So we look. Well, John got drunk and fell in the pool. Right? And so by the time that I turned, people were already jumping in the pool to save John. 
And so they're, I mean, professional people, the marketing director, I mean, a lot of the, I mean, they're just jumping in the pool and they're pulling, you know, John out of the pool. And so by the time we turned, we were going to, they were, they were bringing him out. And I thought about that when I thought about this, this, this point. What caused professional people dressed for a Christmas party to have courage to jump into a pool? It was freezing down. It was cold. They didn't care. They didn't care if their mascara was running. They jumped right into the pool. Why? Because the focus became saving John's life. And so they, they pulled him out. Where did that courage come from? Their compassion for John. Their compassion that we don't want to see him die. So the focus wasn't how cold it was. The focus wasn't, hey, we're going to get wet. The focus wasn't, how's my hair? The focus was, John needs to be saved. John needs to be saved. And so, listen, as we close today, their love for John consumed them to the point that they took their eyes off themselves and saving John became the priority. Let me say it this way. Their love for John overrode their fear. See, fear of what they would look like, whether they would get sick. And this is what the Bible says, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. Watch this. But perfect love casts out, say it. I wonder what you would do if you weren't afraid. I wonder who you would share the gospel with if you weren't so concerned about what people thought about you. But the Bible says when perfect love is acting in our life, it casts out all fear. And Esther steps into a moment because she loves the people that God loves. And she knew that her life would be affected by that as well. And you know, in this pool and at this party, there were many courageous people, but it was because their compassion, listen, provoked their courage. And my church family, Esther broke in. The king extended his scepter and the plot was uncovered. And she seized the moment. And I want to remind us today, we have moments. And our decisions have a domino effect. And you are here strategically placed by God. But you know what? We have to allow God and the, his compassion to fill our hearts again. So we can have the courage to start to see people that are hurting, to start to see people and allow God to use us. Are you ready for this? Listen, that moment may be the only moment that that person ever has to hear about God. And he places you strategically there. And my church family, I'm, I'm preaching to myself today because I want to live this type of life. Whether I'm shopping at Aldi or Target, wherever I'm at, that God would show us moments that you can speak life into people, that you can pray for people, 
that you can invite people to church. Because at the end of the day, my church family, that's what it's all about anyway. Can I hear a good amen today? But if we'll allow the love of God to lead us, we will be led by God. You know, sometimes I don't hear an audible voice from God to do stuff. You know what I follow? I just follow love. What would love do? Because the Bible says God is love. So what would love do in this moment? Because if God is love and I'm loving people, then that's what God would do. I don't have to have a burning bush in front of me. Phil, take off your sandals. Stater Brothers is holy ground. No. Want to be led by God? Be led by love. And I pray today, my church family, what I got out of this message is I said, Lord, you know, it's so easy in this time to be bitter, to be, we look at the state of the world and what's happening and man, people are getting hurt and, and we can get bitter. But you know what? That's not going to help us seize moments in our lives because the courage is going to come out of the compassion that we have in our heart. Let me say this and then we're going to pray. There's moments that you will have that I will never have with people. And there's moments that I will have that you will never have. That's why God has strategically placed you and favored you to be right where you're at. Come on, if you believe that, would you give him a good round of applause today? Would you stand and let's pray? God must really love you and value you to put you in 2022. But you're favored from God. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd just like to pray today. Did you learn something today? It's powerful, powerful. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this moment where you have called us. What an honor. What an honor. Lord, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that there's a great cloud of witnesses that is looking down. They've handed us the baton, and they're watching us. Gideon has handed us the baton. Esther has handed us the baton and said, now's your time. You've got to seize the moment. And Father, I pray today for every person, as we talked about in the beginning, who's experienced loss, who can have an orphan mentality today. Father, I pray that right now, Lord, that you would touch their heart touch their mind. Father, that they would be more focused on your favor than they would the pain of the past. I thank you, Father God, that we are not orphans, that you have come to us. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray also that you would bring people, the right people, at the right time into their life to help advance them into the kingdom. Father, I, I, we are not here to do this alone, but you have strategically placed Mordecai's in our life to speak life, to speak encouragement, to put us and bring us to the right place at the right time, Lord God. We thank you. Father, I pray that we would be more aware of your Holy Spirit and discerning moments with our family, our kids, our neighbors, as we shop, as we vacation, that there are moments, Lord, that we would seize for your honor and your glory today. 
And may we recognize that your favor is upon us, not just for us, but to help a lost and dying world. Father, I pray that we would become compassionate again. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be moldable to see people as you see them. I thank you, Father God, that you've chosen us. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. But it's by your grace that we honor you today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't want to close out today's service without giving you the opportunity to uh, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You came here today. You're watching online. If you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart and make you new, if you've never had faith in his sacrifice that he died on the cross with love for you today. It's the best decision you'll ever make to come into the kingdom of God. All you have to do is, is pray this prayer with faith. Repent of your sin and say, that's it. Jesus forgave me of my sin. And today I repent of that. Would you pray with me? Come on, Passion Life Church, would you pray this prayer with me? So if there's some people here and they're praying it for the first time, I don't want them to feel alone. Would you repeat after me and say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, come inside my heart, and I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.